evil lurks in the hearts of men. <laughs> the shadow knows. Blue Coal presents The Shadow, a man of mystery who strikes terror in the very souls of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. All signs point to a severe winter. Be prepared. If you want to be sure of even, dependable, healthful heat in any kind of weather, insist on Blue Coal, America's finest anthracite mined from the fields of northern Pennsylvania. The coal that has colored a harmless blue at the mine for your protection. You can't have me to the chair. You can't do it. Let me out of here. Let me... Paul Gordon, listen. Huh? I can't see anybody. Who's that? I am the shadow. <laughs> Stop. We haven't much time. We must hurry, Gordon. You're in the death house, charged with murder. Yes, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. But nobody knows it. Take courage, Gordon. The shadow knows. <laughs> All right, Margo, won't you sit down? I told Albo to serve our coffee here in the library, unless you'd rather go on the terrace. No, I prefer it here. Then let me see you smile. That frown is most unbecoming. Lamont, give it up. Give what up, my dear? Drinking coffee? I'm serious, Lamont Cranston. When I foolishly let you know that... Do you remember what you said? It will be exactly five years next week. But there's still so much to do, Margot. Well, then let somebody else do it. Don't you realize that you can't keep on like this forever? Someone's certain to identify you, and when that someone does, someone else is certain to kill you. Perhaps, but until they do... Oh, darling, stop frowning. I don't mean necessarily to give up your work, Lamont, but this other... Let the shadow just disappear and, and come out openly. Join the organized forces of law and police. Won't you realize, Margot, that my entire usefulness to the organized forces of law and police lies in my remaining outside those forces, in remaining always the shadow... Would they approve my methods? Would they believe in my science? You would make them believe. You could make them approve. And in doing so, reveal my secrets, my knowledge. Reveal them and eventually let them fall into the hands of organized crime. <laughs> no, Margot. No one must ever know. No one but you. Why do you think I've devoted countless hours to investigating electrical and chemical phenomena? Why do you think I went to India, to, to Egypt, to China? What do you think I studied in London, Paris, and Vienna? except to learn the old mysteries that modern science has not yet rediscovered. The natural magic modern psychology is beginning to understand, and, well, magic that wouldn't seem so natural. I studied and learned for a purpose, my dear. All right, Lamont, I, I realize all that. But now, now the entire underworld has but one objective, to erase the shadow. And to me, that means... Until they know what the shadow is and who he is, what can they do? Stop and think how many criminals are either dead or in prison because of our activities. Why, even now, tonight, as we sit quietly here, somewhere, an innocent human being may be in desperate trouble. Somewhere, perhaps, there is a problem that can never be solved. 
except by the shadow. What did the doctor say, Grace? It was good news and, and bad, too, I'm afraid, dear. Well, whatever it was, dear, tell me. Well, he said the baby could be perfectly well again within a year. Oh, thank God for that. Poor kid. She's had a tough time. Well, what else? Well, this part isn't so good, Paul. She'll need treatments during all that time. Paul, treatments cost money. I know. Well, we'll have to manage somehow. You didn't do a very good job marrying me, dear. Darling. Well, if I could only get a job. I've got my health and I've got brains. But no one seems to want them. Oh, they will, dear. They, they've got to. You're right about that. We're just about down to rock bottom. I raised every cent I can on the house and car. There isn't anything left. You and I are still left, Paul. And we've got to take care of Sally. She's our daughter, Paul, and she's got to have her chance. And she's going to have it. Somehow. Tomorrow I'll start out and take anything I can get. Darling, perhaps tomorrow things will break for us. Yes. If only they don't break the wrong way. Excuse me, but are you the boss here? That's right. I'm looking for a job. Nothing doing, buddy. I'll do anything. Wait on table, wash dishes, anything at all. I don't need any more help. Well, how about delivering things? I've got a car. Nope, I don't deliver nothing. Sorry, I don't need you. I see. All right. Thanks. Hey. Hey, you. What? You calling to me? Yeah, sit down. Have a beer. No, thanks. I, I don't drink. Anyhow, sit down. I meet a friend of mine. Name's Lefty. My name's Red. <laughs> Look at my hair and you'll know why. Well, I'm glad to meet you both. Gordon's my name. Paul Gordon. Well, did, do you want to talk to me about something? We might. Might be able to help you out. Sounds like you're looking for a job. You bet I am. I, I need one. You know anybody that could use me? Maybe. We don't know you yet. Huh. So far as that goes... I don't know you either. So you read the guy smart. Yeah, maybe too smart. Now, look here, Mr. Gordon. We need a car, and we need somebody to drive it for us. You understand? Well, I've got a car, and I can drive. Is it a good car? Has it got speed? I'll guarantee you up to 80. That's not bad. That's not bad. Now, listen, kid. How about meeting us tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock? All right. Where? Well, let's see. Uh, we're going to... Um... I got it. Right in front of the Uptown Bank. we got to go there first to cash a check. Well... How about $5 a day? That's so. But you'll remember, be there at 9 o'clock or you don't get no job. <laughs> don't worry, I'll be there. I'll be there at 8 o'clock. Hey, buddy, you can't keep this car in front of the bank all day. Can't you see that sign, no parking? I'm not parking, officer. I'm waiting for a couple of men. I'm working for them. Oh, Hey, what's that? Hey, Sounds like shots in the bank. Hey, there. You got him, Lefty. Here he is with the car. Come on, you start that bus for him. Step on it, fella. Hey, but you can't do that. Gone, I will shoot. Let him have it, Red. Hold him off. I'll hold him. Wish I'd never have shot that cop. Can't you get no more speed out of this car, fella? She's doing all she can. Shoot at the tires, Red. I missed him. Right, a windshield. Say, 
Send me out of this. Take the car. Still think I'm in with you. That's just what we're figuring on. Now, here comes the curve. After you make that stop. Get ready, Red. I'm ready. I'm just leaving the evidence. Put it under the seat cushion. All right. Okay, goodbye, Gordon. Thanks for the Hey, work. hey, wait, you guys. Don't leave me like this. They'll think I did it. Hey, come on back, will you? Come back. Up in the hand. Come on, get him up. All right, officer. I haven't got a gun. I wasn't in this. They made me drive the car. Yeah, keep your hands up just the same. Go through the car, Charlie. Okay, Sarge. Well, fella, you might as well come clean on this. I haven't done anything, I tell you. I'm innocent. Hey, Sarge, I got it. Under the rear seat cushion. A bag full of bills and a gun. That's the gun that bumped off my buddy, Louie. And you say you're innocent. Yes, I am. Well, it'll take more than saying so to keep you out of the electric chair. for you, Mrs. Gordon. You're not a reporter, are you? No, I'm a friend. I've come to help. Oh, the, then please come in. What is it you want, Miss Lane? Mrs. Gordon, your husband has a friend who's going to help him. Here's a thousand dollars in cash. What? That's for you and Sally. A thousand? Who was it sent this to me? Well, that I can't tell you. But the message with it is not to lose hope. Oh, then... There is hope for Paul, then. The man who sent this to you never fails. Who is he? Well, that I can't tell you. But, Miss Lane, you know him. Sometimes I wonder whether I do. I love him. But I wonder whether I know him. What do you mean? It's hard to tell whether I really know the man or only his shadow. Well, Lefty, tonight the fall guy goes to the chair. That's what he gets for being a sucker. Yeah, there's not a clue that even points our way. Not even a print. We had gloves on all the time. You had yours off for a minute when you were sitting next to him. Yeah, but uh, I didn't touch the wheel. Then we ain't left a clue. You think so? Who said that? You, Lefty? No, I, I thought it was you. It was I. You cannot see me. Who are you? And where are you? 
I am here in the room, in the shadow. You have pinned your crime on an innocent man. He shall not suffer, but you will. I don't know who you are, where you are, but you're bluffing anyway. You got no evidence. We didn't leave a clue. You did leave a clue. A clue that will send you to the chair. Where was it? Where was it? You're lying. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to believe that? Keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about the clue that you forgot. <laughs> is to die in the chair tonight. I am going to him now. We can still save him. Stand by for orders. In a few moments, we will return to the shadow. But before we do, let me stress this one fact. For home heating, anthracite is best. And America's finest anthracite is blue coal. Anthracite is the healthful fuel. It gives steady, uniform heat that helps prevent colds and cuts down doctor's bills. For with anthracite, there is no quick chilling of the house, such as you get with fuels of the on and off type, or with quick burning fuels that flare up and burn out. Bear in mind that heating plants in this part of the country were especially designed to burn anthracite. So before that cold snap catches you unaware, call your local blue coal dealer. You'll find his name listed in the where to buy it section of your classified directory under the words... Blue Coal. Call him tomorrow and order a supply of America's finest anthracite. Gordon, have you... Have you got any word from the governor? I'm sorry, Gordon. The governor refuses to take any action. Thank you. I've got to go. Tonight? At 11 o'clock. What? What time is it now? Almost 10. Is there anything I can do for you? No. Thank you, Gordon. Very well. These guards will move you to another cell. I'll be back in a little while. Ready, Gordon? Yes, Scott. We're just going to move you to another cell. <laughs> what does it matter? The one you're going to is nearer. <laughs> nearer to the chair, is that it? <laughs> All right. Let's go. All right, Gordon. Walk to the left. We'll be right here behind you. Lock the door into this preparation chamber, Pete. Okay. Just a second. All right. Go on through, Gordon. Watch him, Pete. I'll shut the door. Huh. What's the use of all this trouble? What chance have I got now? I'm afraid you haven't got much, fella. Uh, I wouldn't say that. What do you mean? Holy smokes. Look behind you. Where? There. Oh. Well, too bad. I hated to do that, but... There wasn't any other way, and he'll only be out for a while. Now, Gordon, listen to me. Hey, where are you? 
I can't see you anymore. Where have you gone? Back into the shadow. Now, Gordon, we haven't much time. Listen to me. No crime is perfect. There's always somewhere a loose end. The only reason that all crimes aren't solved is because there's some one fact that someone knows and doesn't tell. And sometimes they don't tell because they don't know that they know. I told everything I know in court. They wouldn't believe me then. Because you couldn't prove what you said. We are going after the proof now. You and I. How? I'm going to think with your mind. I don't know what you mean. Don't try to understand. Just do as I tell you. I want you to concentrate, Gordon. Fix your mind on everything that happened that day. Make mental pictures. I'll see what you see. I'll try it now. No. No, Gordon. Stop thinking about your wife and baby. How did you know I was thinking about that? I saw it in your mind. I see in my mind the pictures you create in yours. Oh, like television? Yes, or like mental telepathy or mind reading, hypnotism, whatever you choose. There's no time to talk. Stop talking. Think. I will. I will. I'm thinking now. The picture is getting clearer. That's better. Go on. The restaurant? The bar? Gordon, stop thinking about the electric chair. It blurs the picture. I'll try. I'll try. Ah. That's better. The car. In front of the bank. Yes. I see it. The policeman. The crowd. Yes. Wait a minute. The small man with red hair. He was the one you called Red. Yes. Yes. I see him. Crooked nose. Short. Glasses. I know that man. He's Red Sloan. I... I... It's hard to see. I know. Think for your life. Try hard. Yes. You started the car. The other, Lefty, was in front with you. Lefty. Lefty. See him for me, Gordon. Ah, yes. A scar on his left cheek. Why didn't you mention that in court? I... I forgot. Never mind. Concentrate. Yes. Yes. Lefty couldn't keep you covered with a gun and look back at the same time. What did he do? He... reached up... and twisted the rear-view mirror. Now we've got it. Ah. That's the loose end. That's where his thumbprint will be. Gordon... Now I can save you. You've told the truth. You didn't know you knew. Two more beds. Oh, two. Another one over here. 
Right, you're a fool for coming in here again. This is the place we picked up that kid that's burning tonight. What do you want to come in here for? This is as good a place as any, ain't it? Hey, telephone for you, Lefty. Telephone? Yeah. Maybe you never heard of it, but it's a great invention. But nobody knows I'm here. Well, somebody knows because they're waiting on the phone for you. It's over there on the wall. Okay. Don't be too long, Lefty. Hello? <laughs> Say, what are you laughing at? Who is this? Lefty. Did you ever hear of the shadow? Yeah. Say, what is this? Too bad about young Gordon. Isn't it, Lefty? What do you know about that? The shadow knows. Who are you? What do you want? I want justice. Justice for Paul Gordon, Lefty. And I'm going to get it. But you ain't got no evidence. No. Perhaps there are some fingerprints, Lefty. Oh, no. We had gloves on. There couldn't be no fingerprints. Did you have gloves on... All the time? Yeah, sure. I did. You're left-handed. Now listen carefully, Lefty. When you were sitting in the front seat of Gordon's car, your gun was in your left hand. Remember? Say, you ain't nobody, I. It's just... Say, how do you know? What did you do with your right hand? My right hand? You took off your right glove, didn't you? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. No. Gosh, I'm going nuts. And you couldn't see the car that was chasing you because the angle of the rearview mirror was adjusted for the driver and you weren't driving, so... Do you remember what you did? No, no, I didn't. I didn't take it off. Are you sure you didn't reach up with your bare right hand and turn that rearview mirror? Are you sure, Lefty? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Maybe I did that. If the police find that fingerprint, you'll burn, Lefty. Just the way young Gordon's going to burn tonight. Goodbye, Lefty. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He hung up. No. No. I won't burn. Hey, Red. Red. It's certainly gab long enough. Say, who was the guy? Never mind that. Where's that car of Gordon's now? In his garage, I guess. I heard his wife crack. Listen. What? I got a hunch. There's some fingerprints of mine in that car. Red, we got to wipe them off of there, or maybe we'll burn in that chair, too. Come on, let's go. But, Commissioner... I'm sorry, Miss Lane, but I don't see what we can do. But I tell you, Paul Gordon is innocent. The men who committed the crime are free. Where did you get this information? Oh, that I can't tell you. Uh, Miss Lane, Paul Gordon was convicted of murder by due processes of law. Tonight he pays for his crime in the electric chair. If the police listened to every crank who came in here claiming new evidence... But they can't send an innocent man to the chair. They can't do it. No, but they can send a guilty man. And according to the evidence, Paul Gordon is guilty. Commissioner, suppose that uh, afterwards, when it's too late, they discover that Paul Gordon wasn't guilty after all. And suppose I testify that the police refused to listen. Well, what do you want me to do? If it's within reason, I'll do that. I want All you right. to send some men to that garage. I want you to catch the guilty men and see that justice is done. I'm frightened. Brace up, Gordon. It won't be long. Keep your chin up, buddy. My turn next. <laughs> so long, fella. Good luck. Goodbye, kid. Where, 
where is he? He promised to save me. Who, son? I don't know. It was a voice. Just a voice. He, he said he'd stand by. Now, steady, old man. Don't lose your nerve, Gordon. Open it up, men. No. Uh, we'll go in there. I didn't do it. I didn't kill him. I didn't, I tell you. He said he'd stand by. He wouldn't wait. Only a few minutes more. Just a few minutes. Don't take me in there yet. No, now, wait. Please, please. He said, please wait. Easy, Gordon. I'm sorry. If I go in that door, I'm gone. It'll be too late then. Take him in, men. No, 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 no. Wait. Oh, where are you? Where's that voice? Where did he go? Please come back. Warden. Warden. Wait a minute, men. Well, what is it? Warden. Wait. The governor's on the phone. He says, stop. Hold up everything. What'd the governor say? He wants to talk to you on the phone, Warden. He says, don't electrocute this man. They've got the other two guys in Gordon's garage, trying to rub out some fingerprints. One of them was shot and died. But before he died, he spilled it all. This fellow didn't do it. It was a frame-up. Oh, thank God he got me in time. Gordon. Gordon. Did you hear that? Yes. Yes, I heard it. That voice said he would. I'm free. You're not going to electrocute me, Warden. You're not. No. No, Gordon. The governor saved you. Governor? No. It wasn't the governor. It was somebody else. Or something else. But what do you mean, Gordon? Who saved you? I don't know. It was a voice. Just a voice. I never really saw him. He was only a shadow. Before another adventure with the shadow draws to a close, John Barclay, Blue Cold's heating expert, would like to say a few words. Mr. Barclay. Good evening, friends. If you're interested in having a more comfortable home this winter, be sure to call your local Blue Coal dealer. For he's more than a fuel dealer. He's an authority on modern home heating. You see, for more than six years, I've trained servicemen for these Blue Coal dealers. These men, known as John Barclay servicemen, have added thousands of... Families like yours to enjoy a greater degree of comfort and to save heating dollars, too. I'm going to read part of a letter typical of many received from satisfied customers using Blue Coal and John Barclay service. I quote in part, The service rendered by your John Barclay service men has been invaluable to me. We were burning a ton of coal a week and having great difficulty in keeping our fire going throughout the night. Your serviceman made me many helpful suggestions regarding the proper way to regulate the furnace and recommended the use of blue coal. We not only reduced the amount of fuel consumed to one half, but actually got more heat. Think of that, friends. In this case, a family cut their fuel bill in half simply by following the advice of a John Barclay serviceman whose services were given without charge. Now, you don't have to buy blue coal to benefit from John Barclay service. No matter what kind of fuel you're using or from whom you've been buying, if you have any heating problems, consult the blue coal dealer. He'll be very glad to place his John Barclay serviceman at your disposal to solve your problems. I thank you. The story you have just heard is copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. Real names are never used in these shadow stories. Crime bears bitter fruit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> young man about town. Years ago, in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Tonight's episode, Murder by the Dead. Court will come to order. The court will come to order. The prisoner will stand. Peter Swift, you've been found guilty of willful and deliberate murder after a fair and impartial trial. Have you anything to say before sentence is pronounced upon you? Yeah. I got something to say. Very well, be brief. Oh, I'll be brief, all right. You think you're going to kill me, but you ain't. I'll get you, yes, you, up on the bench there, and I'll get that district attorney, too. And just for good luck, I'll get the foreman of that crooked jury that railroaded me. Do you understand? Perfectly. Your threats against the district attorney and the foreman of the jury will, I am sure, go as unnoticed as your threat against myself. Peter Swift! I hereby sentence you to be taken from here to the place from whence you came, and that there you be executed in the manner 
provided by the law. And may God have mercy on your soul. Oh, you will hang me, will you, you old fool? I'll get you, all three. And if I can't get you living, I'll get you dead. Take him away. Cranston, it's good to have you back in America again. Margo, I cabled you that I was coming at once, just as soon as I got that frantic message from you. What's it all about? Lamont, the district attorney's star was murdered last week. Yes, I know. I saw it in the papers. I cabled you because I was afraid. Afraid? You? What's the matter? Spooks? Well, I- I'm trying to believe it isn't. Oh, darling, you're talking nonsense. I only hope I am. Lamont... It was District Attorney Stowe who prosecuted that murder of Peter Swift six months ago. Yes, I remember the chap who threatened to come back and get Stowe and Judge Clive and the foreman of the jury. You haven't forgotten who the foreman of the jury was, have you? Oh, by George. It was your father, wasn't it, Margot? Your father is the third on the list to die. Yes, now do you understand? Oh, but my dearest girl, you surely don't intend to suggest that... Well, I, I mean... Peter Swift was hanged. All I know is that three men were threatened, and one of them is dead. A coincidence, of course. Well, perhaps. But I know you'll think I'm a fool, Lamont, but that, and, and I don't know how, but perhaps Peter Swift has come back. Peter Swift was executed. Hanging is usually effective. But there is something in what you say, I wonder now... So we're asked to believe that Peter Swift has come back from the land of shades to kill three men. Three were threatened. One is dead. Murdered. The killer must be then a ghost. A shade. Well, my dear, I suppose there's only one thing that can be opposed to a shade. And that is? A shadow. (laughs) My dear Margot, a shadow. Will there be anything else, Judge Clyde? No, 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 that's all, Taylor. You might as well go to bed. I've got some work to do here in the library. They keep me up for quite a while. Yes, sir. Good night, sir. Oh, I wish I could forget him. What's that? that? Who opened that window? <laughs> you! Oh, yes. You see me, Judge? Peter Swift? But this, this is impossible. Oh, that dad has come back to keep my promise. You're mad. Or I am. Ghosts ain't never bad, Your Honor. Ghosts? But that can't no, be. Don't say well. Would you work? Just two of them. One more to go. Cardona, you got that Clive housekeeper outside? Yes, Commissioner. I'll shoot her in. I'll get to the bottom of Judge Clive's murder. It was the last thing I ever do. Come in, Taylor. Commissioner Wilson wants to talk to you. Oh, yes, sir. This is Taylor. Yes, 
I want to check your story. You told Sergeant Riley you left Judge Clive in his library about 11 o'clock? If that's right, sir. Then what did you do? I locked the front door, and then I started to go up to bed. Go on. As I was passing the library door, I heard voices inside, so I listened. You see, I had let no one in, as I was, uh, I was surprised. Don't apologize. What did you hear? I heard a passionate voice. And then there were two shots, and the bell jangled. So you tried the door, it was locked. So you ran around outside the house to the window, which you found open, right? That's right, sir. What kind of a voice was it you heard? Well, it was a kind of a hoarse, whispering voice. I couldn't make out what it said. I see. All right, Mrs. Taylor, that'll be all for the present. Yes, sir. Commissioner Weston. Uh, yeah. You Heard think the shadow murdered Judge Clive? I don't know. Commissioner Weston speaking. <laughs> you. So, you recognize my voice, Commissioner. I'm flattered. I wish I could get my hands on you. Get your hands. On a shadow. Come, come, Commissioner. What do you want? As usual, just to be helpful. I can do without your help. I wonder. However, I've got a little suggestion for you. Have you ever thought of exhuming the body of Peter Swift? Ah, Peter Swift has been dead for six months. What do you want me to do? Get you a lock of his hair? Trace this conquer. Don't bother. I'm walking from a booth at Union Station, and I'll be gone before you can get anyone here. No, Commissioner, I don't want a lot of Peter Swift's hair. Even if I did, I suspect you couldn't get it for me. I imagine he's still wearing it. Yeah, maybe. In his car. I wonder. <clears throat> this particularly stolen South Clive had been murdered. There's only Mr. Lane left. I don't believe in ghosts. No. But you believe in shadow, don't you? <laughs> Hello. Hello. What was that all about? Cardona, get an order for the exhumation of Peter Swift's body. Margolay, stand by for orders. The police are on the right track, but it may be too late. Go to the warden state prison, pose as a newspaper reporter. Find out what disposition was made of Peter Swift's body following his execution. Hurry! Every second comes. Sure. Sure planted him deep, didn't they, Commissioner? I don't want any cracks on it, Colonel. Haven't they gotten down to that coffin yet? How are you coming, boys? Just hit the coffin, sir. We'll have it out soon now. Well, snap into it and get the ropes on. I don't care much about this job, Cardona. Digging up murderers in the middle of the night isn't my style. I'll have to take charge, sir. I know mine. But this is more or less of a personal matter between myself and that fiend who calls himself a shadow. Get on those ropes. All right, boys. Pull those ropes. All right, hold that rope short. We don't want it slipping back on us. No, pull. Here she comes, sir. 
<laughs> all right, all right. Get busy with those screwdrivers and get the lid off. It's just nailed on, Commissioner. Then pry it off. Okay. <laughs> that does it. She's open, Commissioner. Well, let me look. Now we'll know. What's this? Looks to me like bricks. The coffin's filled with bricks. But, but, but where, where's the body? Where's Peter Swift? <laughs> Ask the shadow. Shadow. <laughs> While we're waiting for the shadow, I want to pass on a bit of advice of particular interest to all homeowners. If you're anxious to cut down your doctor's bills this winter, to keep your family free from a lot of sniffles and colds, then by all means burn anthracite or hard coal. Because anthracite is the healthful fuel. It gives steady, even, helpful heat, in contrast to the flashy kind of heat you get from the on-and-off types of quick-burning fuels. And friend, don't forget this point. Furnaces, cookstoves, and space heaters in this section of the country were especially designed to burn anthracite. And to get America's finest anthracite, ask for blue coal. Blue coal burns long and evenly, with the furnace dampers practically closed. There's no waste up the chimney. It gives economical as well as healthful heat. Blue coal is mined by the Glen Alden Coal Company, the world's largest producers of Pennsylvania anthracite. It is laboratory tested at the mines for purity and for uniformity of size. If you have never tried blue coal, place a trial order tomorrow. You'll find the name of your nearest blue coal dealer listed in the where to buy it section of your classified telephone directory under the name Blue Coal. Oh, Lamont. Thank heavens you're back. Well, come in, Marlowe. Lamont, I was right about Peter Swift. I was right. Yes, I know you were. I found out from another source. My darling, you're trembling. What's the matter? Oh, I'm all right. I've just come from the prison now. I I guess all that talk about bodies and executions has unnerved me a little. Oh, I'm terribly sorry I had to ask you to do it, but time is so short, and I had to be somewhere else. Oh, I understand. No, 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 calm down. And tell me just what happened from the beginning. Well, I I went to see the wardens, uh, said I was a newspaper reporter, as you told me to, and asked him what happened to the bodies of ex- executed men. Yes. Well, he told me if the relatives don't claim the body, it's turned over to the state medical college. Yes. So I asked him about Peter Swift. Go on. The warden said that according to the record, Peter Swift's family called for his remains. However, he said as long as I was interested, he'd send for the guard at the South Gate. He'd know all about it. Pretty soon, the guard came up from the warden's office. Come in. Uh, you want to see me, Warden? Come in, Sloan. This is Miss Lane. She's a newspaper reporter. Oh, pleased to meet you, Miss. She wants to ask you about the removal of bodies. Oh, I can tell you about every stiff that's left here in the past 15 years. Uh, well, you see, I just wanted to ask... Uh, the first one I ever saw was uh, Grimes. He was strung up for murdering his mother with an axe. <laughs> well, ma'am, when they, when they come for him... They just just get, a minute, Sloan. Uh-huh. There's one in particular Miss Lane is interested in. Swift. Oh, Peter Swift, huh? That's right. Remember him? Oh, certainly. His family was supposed to come for him, but they, they didn't come after all. No? No. A cook named Craig came for the body in an old truck. A 
Hoka? He means a doctor, Miss Lane. Oh. That's the rather unflattering prison term for a medico. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I reckon this crooked crag had bought the body. Anyways, he took it away quick. He was in a great hurry, too. The, the stiff wasn't even called yet. Uh, uh, do you know where this uh, Dr. Crag came from? Sure, from the city. I got his address on the register down at the gate. You want it? Oh, yes, please. Uh, thank you very much, sir. A doctor named Craig, eh, Michael? Do you have his address? Yes, here it is. Oh, thank you. Uh, now, listen, Michael, I've got to go out now. Lamont, I'm going with no, you. No, 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 you're not. You're, you're going home to be sure that your father doesn't leave the house until this thing is cleared up. But, I don't think it'll be for long, but I don't want to take chances on his safety. But where are you going? Shadow is going to pay a visit to a certain Dr. Craig. <laughs> Solvent, at last. I've got it. Doctor, uh, huh? Who was that? Who spoke? Does it matter? I'm right here, right to an elbow. You lie. I'm the only person in the room. Oh, no, no, you're not, Doctor. But I wouldn't turn around to find out until I were you. Where are you? Where is that voice coming from? I can swear there's no one else here. Then you must be having hallucinations, Doctor. I'm saying... Sing. I'm sure you are, but you can't see me, that's all. What do you want? Just a favor at a price. A good price. How much? Twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, a good price. Well, I've got a friend booked hang on the 23rd of this month. <laughs> What's that got to do with me? Here, my dear. Twenty grand. Uh, who's your... His name is Louis, three-fingered Louis. Well, what am I supposed to do about it? Perhaps you could steal an eye. So, why come to me? Not that gun, Doctor. I've got you covered. You did it! You can't shoot the shadow. Shadow? You don't mean... Yes, I mean the shadow, Doctor. A shadow just wants a little information. You won't get it! information as to how you resuscitated Peter Swift. Brought him back from the dead, if you prefer the term. I won't tell you. And restored his broken neck. Ah, I did it! I did it! I've proved I can do it! But it's my secret. I don't care if you are a shadow or the shadow. You can't have my secret. No one can have it. It's mine. You have to trade your secret for mine. My secret of blinding eyes to the obvious. I can teach it to you in a few minutes. The shadow, the secret of invisibility. Well, I'm not interested in your secret, some psychological touch. What's the power of making oneself invisible compared to the secret of making the dead live? Perhaps you're right. Perhaps there is no comparison. But where can you learn that secret, Craig? Tibet or an African jungle? <laughs> I won't tell you. I won't tell you. It's mine. How long will it be yours? For as long as I want it to be. Forever and for all eternity. Because only I know the secret, and I shall never reveal it. No. No. They called me a madman. They threatened to put me in an institution. You are a mad crack. No, no, no. I am a genius. You are lucky. 
will benefit by an exceedingly rare coincidence. No, a no. coincidence might happen one time in a billion, one time in a trillion. It is no coincidence, I tell you. It was my genius. And I shall hold my secrets. I shall continue to make the dead live. You are making Peter Swift live as caused two other men to die. To die in the hands of Peter Swift. Ah, and what interest is that to me? I am not interested in that. I'm interested in the fact that the third man may die tonight. A man named Ross Lane. What do I care about Ross Lane alive or dead? It is nothing to me. Will you bring Ross Lane back to life? Oh, I, I could. I could. I can bring anyone back from the dead. I tell you, I have found the secret of life over death. I can prove it. Prove it again and again. I can prove it on myself. I can die and bring myself back to life. You are mad, Frank. Oh, am I? Am I oh, mad? Frank. Yeah, I'm only putting my gun on the table. I'm not afraid of you, even though I can't see you, you see? Yes, Frank. And I will prove to you what I just said. I am not mad. I am a genius. I have found the secret. Stop that. <coughs> what was that? Why did you put that fountain pen in your mouth? Oh. So that's it. You have some cyanide in that pen, huh? And you think you'll bring yourself back to life, huh? Oh, Craig, you were a fool. You were a madman. So now, as the shadow against the ghost, the ghost of Peter Swift, but never the ghost of Dr. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> That you, Jenkins? Good. I'll be right out. But, Mr. Lane, sir, Miss Margot left strict instructions that she would do not to go out of the house. Oh, she did. Well, when she comes back, you tell her I went out. Uh, I'm not going to be ordered around my, by my own daughter as if I were a child of three. Ridiculous. I can take care of myself. But, well, but, open the car, Jenkins. But, but Mr. Lane, the danger in my eye. I'm going straight to my own club. It's my own car with my own chauffeur. The club, Jenkins. Yes, sir. Jenkins, be careful. You turn that corner on two wheels. Remember, I have a weak heart. Drive carefully. Jenkins, did you hear me? Jenkins, what's the matter with you? Stop the car this instant. Jenkins, Jenkins, I... Do, why, you're not Jenkins. Uh, why, Ross Lane. Why, why, you're, you're Peter Swift. Oh, I don't care who you are. Stop this car. Let me out. Uh, let me out. Peter? 
the shadow. What are you going to do? I think you'd better stop the car, Peter, and then I'll see that the proper authorities get you again. And this time, there will be no Dr. Kraft. Yeah. This time, they don't get me. No? Shadow or no shadow, I'm driving this car, and you don't dare touch me if you do. And when they get you, Peter, they'll take you up on that little platform and blindfold you. And then they'll put the noose around your neck. Be hard than the fire. Your driving is positively reckless, Peter, I think. The emergency brake is indicated. Did you see that crash? That shot that's That car's a total wreck. We haven't got three hit on. Please let me in. I'm a doctor. How about it, Doc? The old man in the back is all right. He's just, just fainted. Shot from me. And the other? Well, I'm afraid the shot he is not for. Broken neck. This is funny. What's that, Doc? The sofa has a metal brace on his neck now. He must have broken it once before. <laughs> well, there he is, Peter Swift. The only guy that ever died twice. Yeah, we're giving him a swell funeral, all right. I bet there's guys from every mob in town right in this room. Don't they look natural? <laughs> Waste of natural. I cast your lamps on the reed. Yeah. Peter liked flowers. They used to let him mow the grass and sing sing. Uh, who sent this little bunch of funny blue flowers? Huh? Oh, oh, that, that is, uh, forget-me-nots. Ain't there no card? I guess there isn't that. My gosh. Look here. Uh, what does it say? The shadow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, before today's thrilling episode in the life of the shadow comes to a close, we have an announcement that I'm sure will be of interest to everybody. Beginning today, Mr. John Barclay, our blue coal heating expert, will give a series of practical talks on the subject of automatic heating. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barclay. Good evening, friends. Today, more than ever before, we realize the need for absolutely uniform heat in order to enjoy really healthful living conditions. <laughs> However, many people are under the impression that it is necessary to spend huge sums of money and install elaborate equipment in order to have this uniform heat. In other years, that was true. But, but uh, today, you can have uniform heat 24 hours a day for as little as $18.95. That's the price of a blue coal automatic heat regulator. Is this a simple device which can be installed on any kind of heating equipment? Oh, yes. It works equally well. Hot air, hot water, steam or vapor, heating plants, even on space heaters, which you probably know of as the parlor stoves. Not only is the blue coal heat regulator so inexpensive that anyone can afford one, but its operation is simplicity itself. It consists of a thermostat located right upstairs where it's always handy 
Or you can have it in your living room, your dining room, your kitchen, anywhere at all. This thermostat is then installed to a silent, uh, connected to a, a silent motor located in the basement near the furnace. Is it easy to oh. install? Why, yes. <laughs> yes, the installation of the blue cold heat regulator is such a simple matter that it requires but an hour or two. In fact, you don't even have to let the fire in your furnace go out. And the charge for installation is very low, averaging around five dollars. Why not drop in to see your nearest blue coal dealer and let him tell you more about this remarkable new heat regulator? You'll find he's the outstanding heating authority in your community. And take advantage of his John Barkley trained serviceman, who is qualified to give you expert counsel on any heating problem at no charge whatever. I thank you. The story you have just heard is copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> Weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows. has included Dwight Weist, Margot Stevenson, Polly Bear, Jackson Beck, Arnold Moss, Sidney Sloan, Trudy Warner, Arthur Anderson, Dick Osgood, John Nanovic, organist Rosa Rio, and Terry and Ken Ross on sound effects. Is there another name I should mention? <laughs> and of course... Call Weber as John Barclay. <laughs> this is your announcer, Ken Roberts, who joins with the cast in extending our appreciation to the creator of the shadow, Mr. Walter Gibson. mystery who strikes terror in the very hearts of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Today, the Temple Bells of Nebon. Friends, if you want to be sure that the fuel you get to heat your home this winter is safe, healthy, and economical fuel, then by all means, buy Blue Coal, the finest of Pennsylvania hard coal. Remember, this superior quality anthracite has been colored a harmless blue at the mines so that you can recognize it at a glance. So take the guesswork out of your fuel buying. Get America's finest anthracite. Ask for Blue Coal by name. Order a supply tomorrow.
belle shadow, the bells of Nita. They will reveal you. Your third mistake, Sadi, and your last. <laughs> no, it is your mistake and your last. This is the end of your career as the shadow. It's a large evening, a couple of hours at the club, Caliph. Does that intrigue you? Oh, lovely, but not too late. I have an appointment at 10 in the morning at the women's club. They're trying to get some action on this terrible narcotic situation. Oh, yes, I read about that. Oh, the stuff being peddled all over town. They found school children using it, society women. Why, it's already caused a half dozen suicides. Yes, I know. It's terrible stuff. Oh, it needs the shadow to get at the bottom of it. Yes, I know, dear, but for tonight, I, I do enjoy just being myself. Lamont Cranston, dilettante. Let's be the shadow only in real emergencies. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they tell me there's a lovely Indian dancer at this new club, Caleb. Indian dancer? Mm-hmm. You know, there's the place just there. Club Caleb, driver. Yes, sir. Lamont, you are going to do something about it. You've started already. Perhaps. Well... Here we are. All right, driver. Hey, what? Thank you, sir. Oh, that looked like young Jerry Gleason just going in. Yeah? I was that young man's father. I'd thank him and keep him home occasionally. Spoiled son of a wealthy sire. Mm. Here, let me have your coat. I'll check it with mine. Good evening, Jerry. Oh, oh hello, Miss Lane. Your father and sister well? I haven't seen them lately. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, but I can't wait right now. I've got to see someone, and it's important. I'm sorry. Uh, but Jerry... Hello. What ails young Gleason? I don't know. He seems awfully upset about something. He doesn't look well either. Pale and shaky. Mm, you're right, he doesn't. I'm curious about that boy. Well, let's go in. May I show you to the table, sir? Yeah, take this table by the dance floor, thank you. Oh, there's someone getting up to speak. We seem to be just in time for the main attraction. Well, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we take pleasure in presenting the fascinating and beautiful dancer of the Far East, Sadi Del Ada. For our first number tonight, she will give you the dance of the cobra. Zadi Bel Ada. Look, isn't she lovely? Yes, real thing too, real Hindu. Hmm, it's odd, you know. Goodness, look, she's taking a snake out of that wicker basket. A live cobra. Oh heaven! You know the cobra is connected with the old Indian mysticism. The most ancient of magics. See how she quiets the snake. Makes it sway to the motion of a hand. Mm. It's a form of mesmerism. She's never improved on that with all our modern psychology. I hope its fangs have been removed. Well, they undoubtedly have. Now, this is the one they call Sadi Belada. Jerry Gleason with that 
strange look in his eyes. An epidemic of narcotic smuggling. Sadi Bellata. Oh, how graceful she is. <laughs> she keeps looking over here, Lamont. Yeah. It's coming this way. Well. Souvenir for the beautiful lady, Sad. Oh, Oh, a bracelet. Thank you. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, fair lady. Ah, you know the tongue of Mother India, Saad. Only enough to make a small prayer. Only enough for that, Sadi Bel Ada. It is good sometimes to know a small prayer. Hmm. Just in case of an emergency? Yes. You are very wise, Saad. In case you should meet someone who could destroy you, sir. I see. Cela. Just what did she mean by that? I don't know exactly. Funny something. She seems to know something about me. I'm trying to recall where I've seen that face. <laughs> by the door. Why, it's young Jerry Gleason. She handed him something. Good Lord. He's going out with her. What's the matter? It just struck me, Margot. That boy's face. The color of his skin. You mean drunk? Yes. The poppy of India. Oh, but not Jerry Gleason. Oh, that'd be too awful. And our old friend Claire Gleason, his aunt, who's tried so hard to steer him straight since his mother died, it would just about kill her. Come, Margot. We must do something. We're going to. I did come here tonight with a vague idea that this Indian dancer might have some connection with the thing. With her veiled threats and Jerry's interest in her, I'm pretty sure but now. What are you going to do? I think the shadow will pay a call on Sadi Bellada in her dressing room. I think the shadow can strike back. <laughs> here in your dressing room? Oh, no. What do you want, Alex? A message from the captain. What then? Tomorrow is the day. The police are getting closer. We sail tomorrow night. At eight. I am not afraid of the police. But there is somebody else I am not sure about. You took care of Jerry Gleason? I gave him his medicine and sent him home. But you bring him tomorrow night? Do not fear, Alexis. Jerry will be with me when we sail. <laughs> I have a way to let him know. Good. But the air blows from that window. Close it, Alexis. Well, too bad we have to terminate. The grand success of Sadi Bel Adam. The club caliph? Yes. But as the Americans say, 
Business is business, yes. And we still have a small business with the rich papa, Jerry Gleason. <laughs> no doubt the richest part of our business, sweet Sadie. <laughs> the rich men will pay well. <laughs> <laughs> Who laughs? Where are you? Speak. I am here. In the shadow. But I'm afraid you can't see me. Speak. And say who you are. Have you never heard of the shadow? Oh, the shadow? So it is you. Have I not somewhere in the past seen your face and known your name? I think so. So, uh, did you enjoy yourself tonight? I warn you, Sadi Bellada. Leave the Gleason boy alone. The boy to whom you give the evil drug. I have no fear of you, Shadow Side. I hold a greater power. I hold the power of the temple bells of Niba. Huh? You command the temple bells of Nabon, do you? Yes. Either you lie, or you desecrate a great gift. Put your strength against mine, White Ifandi, and you will see how I desecrate that gift. I can cast your little spells aside and make them nothing. I can kill you. Kill me? The shadow, Sadi? Yes. If you dare to come to me again, will you come? Who could refuse such an invitation? Especially when made by so charming a lady as yourself. Yes, I will come. And be sure you don't mistake my voice when I do come. Sadi Bellada. <laughs> well, what is it, Sergeant? Uh, excuse me, Commissioner. Old man Gleason is outside and insists he's got to see you. Gleason? You mean Andrew Gleason? Sure, the big Wall Street banker, friend of the mayor. Shall I let him come in? Or... All this plain deficiency where it doesn't do any good. I want to see you, Commissioner. All right, Mr. Gleason. What the devil is this town coming to? Well, if you'll tell me what you're getting at... My I... boy is what I'm getting at. He's lying home there with the worst case of delirium tremens I ever saw. Spent the night sopping up liquor in these rotten honky-tonks. Mr. Gleason, if you think the police department's going around playing wet nurse to all the spoiled kids in this town... Is this what you came to see me about, Mr. Gleason? It certainly is. Well, I happen to have more important things on my mind right now. Then you better get this on your mind. Because if you don't, I'll see to it that there's somebody here who does. And I can do it. Good day to you. Well, seems like this was a busy day, sir. What with uh, drunken college boys and millionaires. This is another of those... Uh, Commissioner Weston speaking. <laughs> Why, you, 
Don't you... lose your patience, Commissioner. The shadow has information that may help you. Young Jerry Gleason is becoming a drug addict. What? Yes. A victim of this flood of drugs being peddled on our streets. It might cost you your job. Are you interested, Commissioner? <laughs> Gentlemen, while we're waiting for the shadow to return, I want to relay a bit of information I'm sure homeowners here in the New England states will find particularly interesting. When buying your winter supply of fuel, bear this in mind. Anthracite coal is unequaled for home use. It is not a flashy fuel that burns furiously for a little while, then dies down completely. On the contrary, folks, anthracite burns slowly, steadily, evenly, all day long and so enables you to maintain an even, healthful room temperature. That's why anthracite is called the solid fuel for solid comfort. And friends, remember this. Furnaces, cook stoves, and space heaters in this section of the country were especially designed to burn anthracite. So, insist on anthracite, but get the best. Order Blue Coal. It's America's finest. Blue Coal is mined by the Glen Alden Company the world's largest producers of Pennsylvania anthracite. To guarantee you the greatest heating satisfaction at the lowest cost, blue coal is laboratory tested for purity and uniformity of size. So you see, friends, there's no need to take chances on unknown fuels. Order blue coal today. You will find the name of your nearest blue coal dealer listed in the where to buy it section of your classified telephone directory under the name blue coal. Dispelled 
by this greater power. And, and you think there is someone with this power? I'm not sure. Years ago, in India, a yogi priest, keeper of the temple of the cobras at Delhi, taught me the ancient mysteries. He taught me the mesmeric trick that the underworld calls invisibility. There was a small girl, his niece, who used to sit and listen, staring up at us with her round, dark eyes. She was very clever. Clever. I've often wondered what became of her. The Cobras. You don't mean the Indian dancer at the club camp? I'm not sure, Margot. I'm not sure. Oh, but this worries me, Lamont. Aren't you going into danger too big for you? Don't worry about me, Margot. Worry about the boy and all other poor, miserable wretches in the toils of this awful drug traffic. Is young Beeson safe? Yes, his father made him go to bed. They thought he'd been drinking too much. Well, guess it's time I got busy. Have you found out anything else? One or two things. In Sade Delada's dressing room, I found a note signed by a Captain Marlin of the freighter Albora Castle. I think there's some connection there. I'm going to find out. First, though, I'm going to the zoo. The zoo? Yes. Yes, I want to borrow a decorative little reptile from my friend the curator. He's usually very obliging. Who opened that door? Snake. Don't touch it. It's all right. It's a dead one. There's a note with it. So, she's not bluffing. She does know who I am. Oh, Lamont, I, I'm frightened for you. What does it say? It says, dead cobras are better placings than live ones. Was I mistaken... Then it's not a bit Oh, Lamont, Margo, I... it's a challenge. But the bells. The bells of Nibon. Oh, I'm afraid the shadow this time will get beyond his We shall see, Margo. We shall see who is stronger. Sadi and the bells of Nibon. Or the shadow. Castle. 
go through the window, Jerry. Come now. Yes, Sadie. The window. Yes, we're getting underway now. We've got the boys stowed safely below, below decks. And the rest of the medicine? Oh, we got rid of that, what was left of it. A nice clean-up for all hands, not counting this Gleason job. That'll net us another 100,000, or nothing. Well, we're fixed whichever way the dice roll. And after that, we live like kings, without a care, yes? Not even a conscience. Bother you. What? Sadie. He has come. I was afraid. Who said that? I did, Captain. So you're the one with your trick ghost talk and magic, eh? I'll make a shadow out of you soon enough. Not that way, Captain. No? Here, lock that door next. It is locked, Captain Mallet. But but the porthole. No one can get through those. Not even a shadow. <laughs> Save your laugh, whoever you are. We've got you. You're in this cabin somewhere, and this ship is outward bound. Laugh that all. I think you may have made three mistakes, Captain. One too many. Yes. Yes, Captain. But I do not make mistakes, Dad. That remains to be seen, Sadi Bellada. Then you will see. And me the wicker basket, Alex. Hey, what do you want to do? Yes, Daddy. I call the temple bells of Niban, Captain. The shadow has the power to blind your eyes. A trick he learned in India from a yogi who was my uncle. But I have a better trick. When the last bell sounds while the sacred cobra dances, you will see the shadow... Only as a man. Be ready to shoot, Captain. I'm ready. And now, my cobra, 
to dance with the bells of Nida. I wouldn't open that basket if I were you, Sadi Velada. You watch my pretty cobra, Sal. He may find you even before the captain's bullet. You will die just as quickly. Dead cobras are better playthings than live ones. Bismillahi Ramani Rahim. Make your small prayer, Sad. And now, my pretty one, begin to dance. Be careful, Sadi Bell. The cobra moves towards you. My own pretty cobra. He knows me. You hear the bells, Shadow? The temple bells of Niban? I hear them. When the last bell strikes, we shall see our prisoner. And I am waiting for that minute. But Sadi, the cobra! Look out! He's going to strike! Alexis! The vast globe of Alexis. Kill it! Sadi! The shadow warned you, Sadi Pelada. You take credit for this too, do you? No. Sadi should have known it was not her cobra in the wicker basket. It was mine. Dead. What's that? Who is it? Captain Allen, the police, the border. No, please, Captain Mullen, you do not shoot. Stand back here, drop that gun. I'll fix him. Put the bracelets on both of them, Sergeant. Right. Dope smugglers, kidnappers, and from the looks, murderers. This time, the police were too smart for you. Oh, decidedly. Huh? Who's that? Thanks for coming, Commissioner. You were very helpful. (laughs) And now, before today's adventure with the shadow comes to a close... John Barclay, Blue Coal's own heating expert, is here tonight to give us another of his practical talks on automatic heating. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barclay. Good evening, friends. Last week, we discussed the importance of uniformly heated homes in avoiding cold. I told you how home temperatures could be kept uniform and automatically controlled with a Blue Coal heat regulator. I explained that the cost was only $18.95, plus a small installation charge. Now for a word about the convenience of this blue coal heat regulator. With one of these automatic regulators in your home, it is no longer necessary for you to adjust dampers by hand. The regulator eliminates need for frequent attention to the furnace. What do you have to do, Mr. Barclay? You simply tend to your furnace once in the morning and once at night. Just think of that, friends. You can enjoy the comfort and convenience of an evenly heated home 
and yet you can come and go all day long without a thought or worry about the fire. Is it any wonder I'm so enthusiastic about the blue coal heat regulator? And two, although it costs only $18.95, it does about everything that the elaborate and much more expensive equipment does that many of your friends have. So, folks, why not get to your blue coal dealer tomorrow and ask him more about this blue coal heat regulator? At the same time, if you have any heating problems, discuss them with your blue coal dealer, too. He is the best-informed heating expert in your community. With the assistance of his John Barkley trained serviceman, he will be able to save you money and help make your home more comfortable this winter than ever before. I thank you. The story you have just heard is copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. The characters in this story are entirely fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Shadow, the man of mystery who strikes terror in the very souls of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Friends, there's no longer any need for you to rely on guesswork when it comes to buying fuel. Now you can get the best fuel for home use, and know it at a glance, too. For blue coal, the finest of Pennsylvania hard coal, is colored a harmless blue at the mines for your protection so that you can identify it instantly. To be sure that the fuel you buy is a safe, healthy, economical fuel, get America's finest anthracite. Ask for blue coal by name. Order your supply tomorrow.
Martha, don't tell me. Eight, nine. This is the hour, my dear. I can't stand it, I tell you. Always at nine o'clock it comes. But if I hear that horrible thing again, I'll go crazy. Oh, this awful house. But it's quiet, my dear. Way out in the country like this, I can install my laboratory here as soon as I get around to it. As for these strange sounds, well, haunted houses have always fascinated me. I've always wanted to meet a ghost, shake hands with him, invite him to tea. Stop talking like that. It's serious. Oh, I've tried to stand it for your sake, Arthur, but I don't know how much longer. My heart isn't strong and I... Hear it? But that's only the wind, isn't it? No. It always starts like that. You know it does. Don't move. Listen. Arthur, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. A ghost, eh? Well, we'll see. I'll meet him this time. I'll meet him halfway, too. Stop! Stop! Come. We'll both meet him. Give me your hand. No! Carolyn. Carolyn, it stopped. Can't you hear me? Goodness me. Has the shock killed her? No, her heart still beats. She's only fainted again. Hmm? Just passed out of That big house set on the hill. May I ask, Margot, the reason for this late call on Carolyn Sneed? I'd like to know what's the matter with the poor woman. I got an awful shock when I saw her in town last week. She looks positively haggard. I never saw such a change come over a person. Married life may not agree with her. She was a spinster for close to 40 years, wasn't she? I know, but I think she was foolish. Carolyn has nearly a million dollars in her own name. She didn't have to marry. Yes, but... Right now, I'm not the shadow. Remember, I'm just your patient chauffeur, darling. Lamont Cranston, in need of a rest from my famous mystery man role. That last adventure took a lot out of me, you know. Well, a marriage problem is hardly... Seriously, though. Nobody knows anything about this man she married. He came into town six months ago, met Carolyn in some accidental manner at the county fair, and proceeded to rush her off her feet. I've met him only once, but I don't like his looks. Hmm. Something sinister, I gather. Hence the shadow idea. Well, who is he anyway? Professor Arthur Sneed, I believe he calls himself. He has a small office in town where he's supposed to be working on inventions or something. Well, here we are. Hmm. Usually pretty level-headed, Margot, but don't let your aversion for this man we're seeing be too apparent. Place, isn't it? I don't see any bell. I guess you're supposed to use the knocker. Here he comes. Well, who is... Oh, it's you, Miss Lane. Yes. Good evening, Professor Sneed. I hope we aren't too late. Too late? 
Too late for what? Why, I phoned Carolyn that we'd drop in just to say hello. Uh, well, she didn't tell me. Uh, Carolyn isn't feeling well at the moment. I, I'm sorry. Good night. Oh, but please, I only want to see her for a moment. That is, unless it's something really serious. Well, it isn't as serious as she pretends to think it is, but... Uh, well, come in. Thank you. Uh, this is my friend, Lamont Cranston. Uh, come in. I'm very happy to see Mr. Cranston. I've heard a lot about him. How do you do? You say Carolyn is ill? She didn't mention it, it when I... It came on suddenly. She's been in a nervous condition lately, but it's mostly imaginary. I made her go to bed. Well, would it be all right if I saw I it? I suppose you? so. Go on up if you like. Well, thanks. I'll only be a few minutes, Lamont. Uh, what seems to be the trouble with your wife, Professor Sneed? Oh, she's run down, I guess. Frightfully nervous. She has some absurd notion that this place is, uh, well, haunted. Haunted? It's only the wind, of course, and the creaking of an old house. Mm. Ghosts. She keeps talking about ghosts. And I can't persuade her that there are no such things. Of course, old houses have a habit of getting themselves haunted, Professor. As for myself, I'm not so sure there aren't such things as ghosts. But surely, Mr. Cranston... Oh, not the conventional sort, perhaps, but... I mean people's spirits. Souls, whatever you want to call them. Haunting the places where they've been unhappy. Very interesting, I'm sure. But a lot of tosh. I put no stock in it. No? I'm just noticing that rather rare book on the table, Professor. Neurosis of death. What? If you're interested in that, I'm sure you must be interested in ghosts. I understand its morbid analysis of the factors of violent death are quite interesting. What do you know about it? Oh, I read all sorts of things, Professor. Professor Smith. Oh, uh, yes, Miss Lane? Carolyn wants her sedative. Oh, yes, yes. I I'll go up and give it to her. Did you find her comfortable, Miss Lane? Well, I, I think Carolyn is seriously ill. Yes, but more nerves than anything. Uh, excuse me uh, just a moment, won't you? Lamont, there's something wrong here. I was afraid there was. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's something terrible. Well, what's the matter with Carolyn? Well, she hardly recognized me, and she talks like one in a trance. As though she were in the grip of some deadly fear. When I suggested sending the doctor over, she shook her head. But I'm going to just the same. I can't help feeling it's... It's that man, her husband. Yes, he isn't very pleasant, is he? His skin has an odd pallor. You see it on men who've spent some time in prison. There are many little traits of his behavior that interest me as a, a psychologist. A remarkable man. But you don't know... I don't know. But I think we'll investigate this more or less formally, Margot. I'll visit the professor tomorrow at his office in town. If there are ghosts involved here, perhaps the shadow can bring them to light. Hello? Yes, Carolyn? Well, don't worry, my dear. I'll leave the office here at five, and I'll be home before six. 
Yes. Yes, I understand. Goodbye, dear. Well, who is it? Is that you, Miss White? Who's opening that door? Don't get up, Professor. I'll close it after me. What? I thought I might find you in. Who said that? Who are you? Your conscience speaking, Professor. Or have you a conscience? I'll show you what I've got. <laughs> Don't excite yourself. I'm only a voice. A voice they call... Professor, have you ever heard of the shadow? The shadow? Yes. You seem to have heard of me. What do you want? I've come to warn you, Sneed. Warn me? Warn me about what? I know what you're doing. What? And I know how it's going to end. The end is death. Death? I have something here I'll toss in your lap. There. Do you hear it? Why, you... Get out of here, I tell you. See it? Look. It's half of a playing card. The ace of spades. When you find the other half, that will be the end. Get out and leave me alone. All right, Sneed, I'll go, but don't forget. The shadow knows. <laughs> Are you? Oh, it's you, Miss White. There are two gentlemen here to see you, Professor Sneed. Two gentlemen? Well, I'm not expecting... I guess you may remember us, Professor Sneed. Spike. Your old friend, Spike Collins and Mr. Wilson here. Yes, uh, yes, of course. Uh, uh, please take those circulars on your desk, Miss White, and mail them at the post office right away. Yes, sir. Lock that door, right? Okay. And what are you staring at, Sneed? We ain't ghosts. Uh, I thought you two were doing a stretch at Leavenworth. Yeah, we were. But we framed a getaway. And now we come to see an old pal. Well, now listen, Spike. I'd help you if I could. Nuts. But... We've been watching you and we know your game. We ain't got no time to stall. This old dame you're married has got plenty of... I don't know what you're driving at. Well, you'll know if we squawk about that dame you married out in Idaho that croaked without anybody knowing what was the matter with her. Cards on the table, Sneed. Is this one signed her money over to you? Yes. She fixed her will in my favor. Well, what are you doing to get her? Well, she has a weak heart. And... I know. Playing ghost and scaring her to death, eh? That's too slow, Sneed. I got a better scheme. We break into the house. Stage of burglary, see? In a scuffle, the old dame gets shot. Dead. It's quick. No, no. You can't do that. No. You'll see. Spike Collins Spike Collins Wake up Spike Collins What? Who's that? Just a voice, Collins The voice of your own thoughts Coming to warn you no one but you can hear me. Your friend's need is going to double-cross you tonight. 
Sneed is going to double-cross you. It's your move. Be there to prevent him. Be there in time. Six o'clock. Be there. The Shadow will return in just a few moments. While we're waiting, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about the ever-increasing popularity of Blue Coal, America's finest anthracite. Blue Coal is winning new friends every day among New England housewives. They not only like the superior heat of Blue Coal, but they find that it simplifies housekeeping. This is because Blue Coal is so clean. It burns completely and does not send any particles of unburned carbon through the house to be deposited on furniture or woodwork. The drudgery of daily cleaning is reduced to a minimum with this clean fuel. Blue Coal is the largest single brand of solid fuel prepared especially for home use. Each car is laboratory tested at the mines for purity and size before shipment. Blue Coal is Pennsylvania's finest anthracite. So that you can personally identify this excellent fuel, it is actually colored blue at the mine. Order it by name. You will find the name of your nearest Blue Coal dealer listed in the where-to-buy-it section of your classified telephone directory under the name Blue Coal. Comfortable in that chair, Carolyn? Yes, thank you, Margaret, dear. And I do appreciate your coming out here and staying oh, with me. I'm glad to do it. But it's six o'clock. Your husband ought to be coming home pretty soon, shouldn't he? Uh, he phoned just before you got here and said he was starting. He seemed very agitated. Oh, he's a strange, unaccountable man sometimes. There are things about him I don't seem to understand. Yes, I know, dear. He has the car, I suppose? Yes, he's driving. He's probably on his way now. I've got to think. I've got to think of something. I know. We leave town. You're driving rather recklessly, Sneed. You again. I'm going to haunt you. Try to forget that I'm here in the rear seat. If it annoys you. No, don't look under the seat. If I could only see you, get my hands on you, I'd show you how much it annoys me. <laughs> Shut up. I'm the voice of your conscience, Mead. Perhaps you have a conscience. After all... I could choke that voice down your throat without any trouble to my conscience. If you only had the power of second sight, you could see me. That's an invaluable gift, Mead. Being able to see things that other men can't. Some people call it mental telepathy. Some by other names. Remember, I can see the pictures you make in your mind. I told you about that. You can warn all you like. That's not evidence. Not in court. A lot of wild guesses that don't mean anything. Well, doesn't it frighten you a little, Sneed? I simply will you not to see me 
And you don't. Careful. There's a truck coming down the road. Better sound your horn. Good Lord, the fool's taking up the whole road. It's going to hit you. Look out. It's gone. There wasn't any truck there. No. I willed you to see it. And you saw it. No truck at all. Just hypnotism. Gosh, I... I'm having hallucinations. But that's the way to dispel hallucinations. Drive straight through them. Be careful. We're near your house. And this old mill road is tricky. What about it? Look, Sneed. There's a man in the road ahead of you. There is, eh? Really? Why, it looks like one of your two pals that called on you today. I knew he would be here, Sneed. Really? You're going to hit him if you don't watch out. More of your hallucinations. You think that I'll believe you again, don't you? Well, I won't. Look out. I, I hit him. This time, it was no hallucinations, Need. He was in front of you. <laughs> Shadow. Oh, yeah? 
Well, what the blazes do you want? To be of a little assistance, as usual. Yes, I see. I'm getting tired of this rigmarole, though heaven knows things happen when you phone. And what's the assistance today? Why didn't you investigate the ghost that haunts Sneedhouse Commissioner on the old mill road? Well, you missed up on that one, Mr. Shadow. I don't put much stock in ghosts, but we went out there and checked up, searched the house. There's no evidence. No. Go again today, Commissioner. And this time, I think you'll get your evidence. Is that the last trunk, Arthur? Yes. The expressman won't be here until four. Another hour yet. Why don't you go up and lie down a while, Caroline, hmm? Yes, I will. Try to sleep a little now that it's daylight. You uh, told the milkman we wanted to pay him. He's coming back before we leave. Good. Well, that must be him now at the back door. <gasps> Get back. Get back. What's the matter, Snead? Did you see a ghost? Stop. Don't come near me. Not snap out of it, will you? This is me, Spike Collins. You? Alive? It wasn't me you hit with your car last night on that back road. Well, I guess you wish it had been, huh? Who? Who was it then? It was Rat Wilson. Fool got half pickled trying to get up his nerve for the job. Staggered out on the road before I could stop him and wham. It was all over. Wilson, eh? So there was my chance, see? Him and me about the same size. His face and hands all smashed flat. I put my stuff in his pockets, my ring on what was left of his finger. There I was, dead. <laughs> and all that time you was giving me the double cross. And maybe I am a ghost, but I can still deal with you, Sneed. Who is it, Arthur? Uh, just a minute, Carolyn. Now listen, Spike. There's only one way to see this thing through. You and I have got to stick together. The shadow is after us both. We've got to get out together. Away from this, this yeah. shadow. Don't kid me anymore about the shadow. You see this cat? I'm here on business and I'm going through with it. Put the old lady out of her misery. Good Lord. What's the matter? There. On the table. Hmm. Nothing but a torn playing card. Yes, of spades. Or half of it. You've got to stop it, Spike. You've got to stop it. What's the matter? Who's this man? Uh, Carolyn, this uh, this is a friend of mine. A friend? Sure, a friend. But I don't understand. The pistol, I... Yeah, that's my way of doing business, lady. Your husband does it different. He's been scaring you to death, ain't he? Making you think the place was haunted. You know how he always does it? Stop it, Spike. He used to be an electrician, see? He rigs up a sort of electric sound box with a remote control switch. He usually puts the switch... Over here, by the door. Yeah, here it is. What's it all about, Arthur? The Ace of Spades. The end. Death. When he turns the switch, you hear the ghost dance. All you have to do is turn this knob. That's the way it works, lady. But I hear it. Arthur, 
I hear it. Turn that thing off, you idiot. What? I, I haven't turned it on. You haven't. Then, then what's making those sounds? <laughs> I am. Um... What's that? It's him. He's come. A shadow. I am coming up these summer stairs. I will enter and stand beside you. Where is he? Stand back or I'll shoot. When I enter, I will touch one of you on the shoulder. Stop him. Stop him. And that one will die. It's the cops. Come here, Speed. It's a plant. You call in the cops. No, don't shoot, Spike. The jig is up. You're going to have the bullet I was going to give your wife, you double-crossing skunk. Killed him. Go through that side room, boys. Okay. Stick him up. Uh, I got him. I got him. I'll stand. Still around. Break your arm. Uh, now, hand over that gap. All right. I'm through. You win. Spike Collins. Spike Collins. Well, I, I thought he was... He supported. I thought you... Say, what is this? Who was that guy that got killed over here last night? Come clean, Collins. Whoever it was, I didn't do it. <laughs> Who's that? Where are you? Don't be alarmed. I am here behind you. In the shadow. Oh. So you're here, Shadow, eh? Maybe you know who got killed here last night. The man killed last night, Commissioner. Is a ghost. Oh, yeah? There are now two ghosts in this little adventure. Mr. Collins will probably make the third. You really should believe in ghosts now, Commissioner. And in shadows. <laughs> And now, before today's adventure with the shadow comes to a close, John Barkley, Blue Coal's own heating expert, is here to give us another of his practical talks on automatic heating. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barkley. Good evening, friends. In former Sunday night talks of mine, I've shown you the importance of having the temperature of the home properly controlled with the Blue Coal automatic heat regulator. That is, in terms of health and convenience. Now, tonight, I'm going to give a third important reason for automatic heating, economy. Most authorities will tell you that the proper degree of heat in the home is 70 degrees. Naturally, you can't by hand keep your fire from giving off more than 70 degrees of heat, but the blue coal automatic heat regulator can and does. But here's how that saves you actual fuel dollars. Heating engineers have discovered that for every degree you raise the temperature above the desired 70 degrees, your fuel goes up in cost one and one-half percent. So you see, friends, by automatically shutting off that heat, that extra wasteful, unhealthy heat, heat regulator automatically saves on fuel costs. Why not investigate this blue coal heat regulator further? Ask your local blue coal dealer to give you a demonstration. The cost is only $18.95 plus a small charge for installation. 
You'll find it well worth every cent of that and more. Moreover, if you have any heating problems, discuss these also with your blue coal dealer. He is the best informed heating authority in your community, and assisted by his John Boxley trained serviceman, can, I'm sure, help you save money and have a more comfortable home this winter. This service is free. It costs you nothing. Thank you. The Shadow Adventure you have just heard is copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. The characters in this story are entirely fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Arthur Whiteside.